Section 6 of Four Science Fiction Novellas This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Four Science Fiction Novellas by Harold Vincent The Copper-Clad World Chapter 6 Ulana Blaine was tugging at the lever he had seen the Rulands use in opening the stone door from the inside. Tommy, less excited, tried to press one of the invisible cloaks into his free hand. Here, he begged, don't be a damn fool. They'll get you, the devils. But the great block of stone was swinging already, and the young pilot squeezed through and into the passage. He stumbled over the crumpled figure of a young girl and into the arms of one of the green bronze guards. Recovering instantly, he prodded the big fellow's ribs with the ray pistol. Stick him up, he snarled. Then, realizing the words were meaningless to the other, he said, Raise your hands above your head. That's right. Stand still now, or I'll use the ray. The guard, his face ghastly in the dim light, obeyed but his wary eyes never left Blaine's for an instant. A short way down the hall was the body of a young Rulan. Blaine shuddered as he saw it was headless. The ray had nearly missed that time, its energy spent before complete disintegration was effected. The girl lay still at his feet. With quick fingers he frisked the guard, finding his ray pistol and one gas grenade. What was he to do with the big fellow? He ought to let him have it, but somehow he couldn't. Tommy was in the passageway then, invisible. The big guard stifled an amazed cry as his husky voice came out of the nothingness. These devils of earthmen! They had worked their evil magic on the Zara. Had she not ordered that their lives be spared? And now there was this! His thoughts were written large on the ordinarily expressionless countenance and Blaine was tempted to laugh at his affrightened dismay. "'Come on, you bonehead,' Tommy was saying in English. "'Bring the big bum inside. I'll carry the girl. "'Hurry, there'll be a million of them in a minute.' The girl's huddled figure was raised by unseen hands. Poised in mid-air for a moment, it floated joggily, unsteadily through the crack of the partly open stone door. The guard, wide-mouthed and staring, "'muttered supplication to the war-gods of Antred. "'Safely inside the secret chamber, "'the earthmen made haste to truss up the guard and gag him. "'He was as tractable as a child "'under the invisible fingers of Tommy Farley, "'with eyes imploring the evil spirits for mercy. "'And when Tommy's head appeared, "'drifting unsupported by a body, "'to be followed by arms and shoulders "'that seemed to materialize from nothingness.' The big fellow struggled, panic-stricken in his bonds, shaking with superstitious terror. Blaine straightened the girl's limbs where she lay on a low couch. She was breathing in low, shuddering gasps, but a swift examination assured him that she had not been harmed. Her beautifully chiseled ivory features were fixed in an expression of nameless dread. A mass of red-gold hair tumbled in confusion about her face and shoulders, and when the pilot smoothed this back, his heart did a most peculiar flip-flop. Sort of jumped into his throat and stuck there. This Rulan maiden was a vision of feminine loveliness, if ever there was one. A dream. 
Tommy watched him with a cynical smile and said with mock contempt, So you're the guy who swore you'd never tangle up with a femme. Just a month ago, too. Now look, first you get this Zara woman all head up over you, and now this one's got you all head up over her. You make me sick. There was no fitting retort. Besides, this thing that had come to him was too serious, too big. He couldn't kid about it, even with Tom. Why, he'd always pictured this very girl in his thoughts. He had always dreamed of meeting her some day. And here she was, a living, breathing reality. She was stirring, too. Now, breathing easier. Her eyes opened wide, frightened, innocent ones like a child's, blue-gray and fringed with long lashes that raised dewy from the smooth ivory of her cheeks. Antius, my brother, she exclaimed, remembering. Where is he? I saw, I thought, and the guard. He wanted to take me. Oh! Hands fluttering to cover her face, she was sobbing now, and Blaine raised her in his arms, clumsily attempting to comfort her. Your brother, he said gently. I'm afraid the guard did away with him. He is no more. Y yes I remember now. I saw. She shuddered and became still, her tousled golden head somehow finding a comfortable hollow beneath Blaine's shoulder. And then, bravely, she sat erect and faced him. I, I suppose I shouldn't feel so badly, she said. We always expect it. But I was so fond of him, and he was the last. I am alone now. Not alone, said Blaine. You have me, us, that is. We are the Earthmen, you know. And you are safe here. You are Carson? she inquired. Yes, and my friend is Farley. That is how your people address us. But we had rather you call us Blaine and Tommy. Tom Farley was grinning like an idiot. Didn't he have any more sense, Blaine thought. The girl would think he was making fun of her. I am Yulana, she said simply. The stone door opened silently, and Tita slipped in, closing it swiftly behind him. He stared at the girl and at the trussed-up figure of the guard. So, he exclaimed, this is the explanation. He breathed heavily as if he had run a long way, and his face was flushed with excitement. Why? What's wrong? Blaine sensed a calamity. The Zara. She must have seen you in the crystal. She is in a murderous rage, and has visited her wrath on the Tritu Anu. Even now Dantor is on his way to Ilandar in answer to her summons. Titus, I'm sorry. It is my fault entirely. But, but we heard Yulana cry out. You did quite right, Carson. I should have done the same myself. And actually it makes little difference as far as we Rulans are concerned. We had not long to remain in this life anyway. It is only that your hiding place might be revealed, that our plans to outwit the Loda will fail. You, you think she will make away with Dantor? No, he's too valuable as a scientist. But the guards are awaiting her orders to repeat what happened in the Tritunagaru. She depends on the work of his laboratory a great deal, though it may be she'll stay her hand. He was fussing with the controls of the small crystal as he spoke, and it sprang to life with the peculiar shifting milkiness. Then, clearly, 
They were looking into the council chamber at Ilandar. Cleone was there, pacing the floor. Dantor had just arrived with two of the green bronze guards. The Zara, though nervous, was curiously calm and polite in her greeting of the aged scientist. Dantor, she said, I want these earthmen. I cannot produce them, your majesty. You will not, you mean. Cleon dropped her voice. For two reasons, Dantor, I must have these earthmen. And they must not be harmed. We need them on account of this K-metal that was brought by Antazel, whose ugly body I so foolishly destroyed. Two reasons, you said, O Cleon? Dantor smiled knowingly. Yes, too, said the Zara defiantly. I love this Carson, if you must know. And it is the only influence for good that has ever come into my life, Dantor. Oh, can't you see? I must have them. Blaine felt the hot blood mount to his temples. Tommy giggled like a moron. And Ulana drew away ever so slightly. It was true, but still it was a definite withdrawal. Damn this leopard woman, anyway. He is not for you, O Cleon, Dantor was saying. To the people of his world, the very thought of such a woman as yourself is repulsive. A murderess, he would call you. Their reactions to the taking of a human life are entirely different from those of the Lota. They are, you will pardon my saying it, more like those of the Rulans. The Lota hold life cheap. They hold it dear. To your people you are not a bad woman, only a foolish one who sometimes, in the heat of passion, upsets their plans by the sudden snuffing out of a life that is valuable to those plans. Do you not see my point? He is different. To him you are the wickedest woman whom he has ever encountered. A monster. This was strong talk. Blaine drew a quick breath, anticipating another of her black rages and sudden death for poor old Dantor. But Cleone suddenly was on her knees before the old scientist, pleading with him. Creature of strange caprices. Though human-like in her emotions when in her softer moods, she was more like the feline to which Blaine had likened her, when those soft moods had passed. Somewhere overhead, in the chambers of Trituanu, there was the sound of a muffled explosion. Its shock was felt even here in the rock-hewn secret apartment. Titus went white. Quickly he manipulated the controls of the crystal sphere. It can't be, he exclaimed. The guards would not disobey her, and she has ordered no action. Swiftly then, the searching ray of the apparatus swung back to the Trituanu itself, boring into the vast structure above them. One of the chemical laboratories was completely wrecked. Maimed and dying Rulans were everywhere in the ruins. And those who staggered to their feet were shot down by the green bronze guards who stood at the doorway. Then, floor after floor was revealed in the all-seeing crystal. Everywhere it was the same. Merciless, cold-blooded destruction of the Rulan scientists, the most valuable of all in the lot scheme of things. The Earthmen were speechless with horror. Ulana once more buried her head in Carson's shoulder, moaning helplessly. The scene shifted again to the council chamber of the palace in Ilandar. The Zara had not risen from her knees. She was still pleading with Dantor. She knew nothing of the massacre. 
Ionito, Titus gasped. It must be he. And once more the view was changed. They were in the huge dome through which they had entered this mad world. Near the base of the great telescope a bullet-headed lot was gazing into the depths of one of the crystal spheres, watching the carnage in the Trituanu and shouting his orders to the guards. "'Slay! Slay! Slay!' he yelled. "'Not a ruin shall remain in all Antrid. "'It is Ionito commanding you. "'Ionito the Great, master of our destinies, dictator supreme. "'Let not one escape. I command it. "'Then will come the great day of release of conquest. "'A new home, a new world awaits you for the taking.' "'It is as I thought,' Titus groaned. "'It is the end.' He has taken things in his own hands at last. The sphere went blank at his touch of a lever. His shoulders drooped and he spread his hands in a gesture of resignation. What in the devil, Tommy exploded. Can this guy overrule the Zara? Is he that powerful? He is actually the ruler of the world that is Antrid, the power behind the throne. Cleon must do his bidding. He has seen that she is softening and resolved to speed things up himself. A sudden bedlam could be heard in the corridor outside the stone door. This Ionito had gone the Zara one better. He had located them, probably saw the capture of the guard and the rescue of Ulana on the very spot where his minions now hammered for entrance. They will take you, Titus whispered. There is no doubt as to the orders issued by Ionito. They will take you alive and bring you to him. You will be compelled to yield the secret of the metal that energizes. Not on your life. We'll refuse. Blaine was very positive. Titus smiled sadly. There is the pink gas, you know, he reminded him. No, Carson, there is but one way. You must go out into the jungle and hide for a time. Danter will return later. It is certain he will be spared and he will contrive some way of outwitting them. Come, there's the passage. Blaine saw the wisdom of the argument. It was their only chance. There was a blast that shook the ground beneath their feet, and a huge section of the stone door was blown into the room. He drew Yolanda close with a possessive encircling arm. They were in a dark, narrow passage now, following the whispered voice of Titus. It was damp and rankly odorous there in the darkness, and slimy things wriggled over the floor, brushing their ankles clamily. Behind them there was the roar of another explosion and the shouting of angry voices. The guards were in the secret chamber and hot on their trail. Titus was fumbling with something ahead of them where they had halted, something that rattled and clanked and finally came free. A door opened into the deep, shadowed green of the jungle. "'Go now, quickly,' he warned them. "'Hide yourself as far in as you dare go. "'You will be lost, but will later be directed by a mental image from Dantor. "'I shall advise him from the spirit world. "'We do that, you know, we ruins. "'But I must leave you now. "'I must hold back the guards to give you time. "'Go, friends, farewell.' "'In his hand, Titus held the ray pistol they had taken from the captured guard.' He would account for a few of the lota, at least. Blaine reached for him to restrain him. It was unthinkable that this fine lad should sacrifice himself for them. But Titus was gone. 
he had slipped away into the black depths of the passageway. "'Come on, snap to it,' Tommy grated, his voice brittle with suppressed emotion. "'The kid's right. Let's go.' He pushed his way into the matted growth of the jungle. Holding Yulana close and not daring to look into her eyes lest he should see what he knew was there, Blaine followed his friend. The mysterious depths of the pale green forest closed in about them. End of section 6